Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric continues in his series from the book of Genesis about the life and experiences of Joseph. Joseph's life changed as he was finally sold to an Egyptian officer named Potiphar. Joseph's servitude lasts 11 years, yet he plays his part faithfully. Though he faced temptation multiple times from Potiphar's wife, he rose above the sinful request. God gives us the strength to fight or flee temptation, ultimately being sanctified in the Spirit. How will you face temptation? And now, here's Pastor Eric. If you have your Bible, I invite you to open to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We're in the Joseph Rise Above series. And I've titled this morning's sermon, You Can't Keep a God-Man Down. Genesis chapter 39. As you turn there... I want you to think about this. Suffering is a test. Heart test. Success test. Temptation is a type of test. Success can even be a test. Forgiveness is a test. And Joseph would have to face all of these tests. The question is, would he pass the test? We're going to see some of that today. But before we get into the passage, I I want to review a little bit from last week as we gave an overview of the account, the toldot, the story of Joseph. And in his life, we see relationships. We see Joseph and we see four main relationships. We'll put these on the screen for you. We see number one, Joseph and his family. Joseph and his family. We see the relationship with the brothers. That's what we looked at last week. Did you find that one? Yeah, there it is. Joseph and his family. The relationship with his father. He was loved. He was favored. There was that special coat. That's a source of tension for the brothers. And number two, then there was the dreams that Joseph was having. That was the source of tension. And so things go south kind of quickly. And Joseph is thrown into the pit. And he is sold into slavery. That's the relationship, Joseph and his family. Remember, we also said this is very much a story about the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes, because those are the the 12 brothers. But number two, where we're going to begin today is in the relationship that we see Joseph has with Potiphar in Potiphar's household. Next, we'll see Joseph and his relationship with the prisoners, the baker and the cupbearer. We'll see, lastly, Joseph's relationship and Pharaoh's house. And, of course, we'll come back, really, to the relationship with his family. Like many stories, Joseph's story begins with tension and it ends with triumph. And last week, I showed you the beautiful symmetry of the overall account of Joseph. And I want to show you this again and put this on the screen. It has a beautiful arc to it. Chapter 37 begins with disharmony. And we're going to end his life with harmony in chapter 57. But we saw the disharmony between he and his brothers in chapter 37. 
Today we begin the, the second big episode account, and it's Joseph's rise to power. We see this in chapters 39 through 41. This is the rising action. The turning point is the climax of, of really Genesis 42 and 47 where there's reconciliation between he and his brothers. And that's the turning point. The falling action, that episode is in chapter 47 where there is this kind of blessing where the brothers actually depend on Joseph for their livelihood and he blesses them and, and God blesses Jacob and those, those 12 sons. And then it ends with the, with the resolution, chapter 47 and 50, harmony. So how do we go from tension to triumph, from harmony to, to disharmony? There is his life, his rise, the great reconciliation, the, the blessing of it, and uh, just a, a lot of beautiful symmetry in the life of Joseph. Sometimes you feel like your life's a roller coaster, don't you? I was telling Tim, my life since Wednesday has been a blur. It has been a blur. Major plumbing problems. To, well, Wednesday night was great. You know, we had a great service. And Thursday was filled with plumbing problems and preparation. And Friday, I'm, I'm trying to get out of town to get to a wedding rehearsal in, in Alabama. And so all day yesterday was the wedding. And, you know, back to 1030 or so last night. It's just like I hadn't really stopped since Tuesday. You know that week. That's been yours too in a lot of ways. You, you get that, right? You had foster kids and you got parades and parking. And it's just like, wow, we need this break that's coming up perhaps. But Joseph's life, it was like a roller coaster. It was filled with ups and it was filled with downs. And if you like it, it was filled with twists and turns, right? And... For him, I'm sure it was an adventure times when it did take his stomach. But just as you can't keep a good man down, you can't keep a God man down. And you can't keep God's man, Joseph, down. Now the beautiful thing that we saw last week where we saw this bookends of from coat to coat. Uh, we saw the coat of many colors or long sleeves in the translation all the way to the coat of the father where he's in sackcloth and the coat of the son is covered in goat's blood and and it was kind of neat how it ended that way. In chapter 39 this morning, you're going to see what I've called bookends of blessing. You're going to see blessing on this side and blessing on this side in the end, and it becomes a beautiful sandwich for us. So let's look at the story. It's found in Genesis chapter 39. If you're using the Black Pew Bible, that's on page 33, and that is always our gift to you. Let's read the first six verses. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord, Yahweh Adonai, was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, in Potiphar's sight, and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house. And he put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord, Adonai, Yahweh, blessed the Egyptian's house, Potiphar's house, for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had, 
and house and field. So therefore he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. I want you to see several things as we journey along in this episode in the life of Joseph. Number one, we need to note his new way of life. Where was Joseph now? Well, he's out of the pit. He's been sold into slavery, but now he's in Egypt. He's now in Egypt, and now he has a new slave owner, a man named Potiphar. Who is Potiphar? Potiphar is Pharaoh's captain of the guard. Uh, a man that is prominent, a man that is powerful. Joseph had been purchased as a slave. The word we could now say about him is enslaved. This is his new way of life. Did you know that Joseph would serve Potiphar for 11 years, from age 17 until age 28? It's a new way of life. You know, nowadays in that time period, we, we send people off to college and they get married at that time, and Joseph now is he's a worker, he's a servant. Oh, we don't really see any signs of bitterness and resentment. He, he just it's that roller coaster life of Joseph, and this is where he finds himself, and he just begins to, to play that part faithfully for 11 years. But I want you to see that, that that really sets us up for the bookends of blessing. I want you to see his blessing. Did you notice in the text, as we read it, the Bible makes the point that God is with Joseph. Adonai is with him. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph. And what this meant for Joseph was success. This meant success. The Bible goes to show us that God's favor on Joseph equaled blessing. If God favors you, you're blessed. You're successful. And Joseph was being blessed. Look at verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man. And he was in the house of the Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Joseph being blessed actually turned into Pharaoh, or excuse me, Potiphar being blessed. And yes, Pharaoh later on down the line, you'll see that. Joseph being blessed equals Potiphar being blessed. Verse 5, from the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house, Potiphar's house, for whose sake? Not necessarily for Potiphar's sake, but for Joseph's sake. Verse 5, the blessing of the Lord was on all that Potiphar had. So I love that. There's that emphasis. Joseph is blessed. He is highly favored. Therefore, he's given success. But as he gets success, Potiphar notices this. Potiphar is in a relationship with him. And so all of a sudden, Potiphar becomes blessed. It's God's blessing. You know what? I believe about Christians, I believe it to be true. Sometimes you become a source of blessing to people too. Because of who you are, because of your relationship with Christ, because of the Holy Spirit in you and the fruit of the Spirit that you produce, and all of a sudden, you begin to bless those who are connected with you. And they may walk away. They may never tell you, but they may walk away and think, wow, that person was such a blessing to me. I sort of had that experience this week. I thought when that person was gone, I thought, God used that person to bless me and to be a source of blessing for me. 
And who am I to deserve that? And, and why? I have no idea, but in God's providence, God blessed that person, and that person in turn blessed me, and it was, it was a great, great thing. We begin to see his rise to power. As Potiphar sees this, it just makes sense. Joseph, you're given authority. He's, he's rising up. Joseph is giving authority and he's rising up. There is a key word that's in the text, and sometimes we lose it. But in this, in this passage, the key word is hand. Joseph was, was given things in his hand. I have this in my hand. And I'm, I'm holding this in my hand. And I'm overseeing this. All, that's in, all this is in my hand except one thing. And, and we'll get to that. But, but this is what the Lord was doing. God was blessing. So we could say this, that God does His part. Amen? God is doing His part. He's, he's, he's taking Joseph and He's watching over Joseph. I mean, his life was spared. He's thrown into the pit, but he's not left there. I mean, God's got a plan. God's, he's, he's enslaved. I mean, he could have went with the Midianites, the Ishmaelites, but no, he's, he's, he's working his way to, to Egypt. He's going to work his way to Pharaoh's house, but he's got to go through, you know, this, these things where God's putting him in, in uh, Egypt and now in Potiphar, and God's doing his part. God's blessing. He's rising up. God's making Joseph successful. Now Joseph has to do his part. And that's the question that we're going to look at today. Now it's kind of right at this hinge, like will Joseph stand the test? Will Joseph be faithful? God is being faithful, even in difficult circumstances, but will he be faithful? Will we be faithful? God does his part. But we will, we, will we do our part? Will we be faithful? So let's continue to read. Let's see if he passed the test. Let's go to chapter 39, verse 6b, and we'll read verse 7 through 18. There's an unfortunate little verse break right there, but the new paragraph, the latter part of verse 6, begins this way. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He wants to tell us that Joseph is a good-looking 28-year-old. Well, most 28-year-olds are, aren't they? Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife, Potiphar's wife, cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. Sleep with me. But he refused. Three powerful words. But he refused. And he said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He has put everything that he has in my hand, in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Verse 11 says, But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment. His coat always plays a part, it seems like, in his stories. She caught him by his coat saying, lie with me, sleep with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled. 
got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. What Potiphar's done? He's brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me. And I cried out with a loud voice. I screamed. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, the Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. See his new way of life and you see his blessing, which is really this rise to power. But I want you to see in this section, number three is action. His action. Joseph is good looking. And the Bible tells us that he is tempted. The key phrase there is day after day. Can you imagine the pressure? This is, this is temptation. Sometimes you felt that temptation that it's like, wow, the power of it. Day after day, continually I feel this pull and, and it, was, it was something that was there constantly. And Joseph says something. Verse 7, after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me, but he refused. And he said to his master's wife, look, Potiphar's put everything in my charge. I mean, um, it's like we're, we're pretty much equal except for this thing that, that he hasn't put you in my hand. So the end of verse 9, he says this great statement. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against? You would expect him to say Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh's done this and he's done this and this. And how can I do this great wickedness and sin against Pharaoh? But the word is, how can I do this and sin against God? He has the correct perspective in the time of temptation. It's worth noting. He, he sees that this would be a sin, well, not just against Potiphar. This would ultimately be a sin against God. So the comment is, you, you know, I can't sin against God. That's what we need when we face temptations, when we face tests and struggles. We need to look heavenward and look that this would be a sin against God. Well, what does Potiphar's wife do? Well, she wanted her way. Just like the Bible says that Adam and Eve saw that the fruit was good, that, that lust of the flesh, that lust of the eyes, desiring for it. The temptation was to, to Jesus, you know, command the stones to become bread, or look, I'll give you all of this, and, and, and this should be the pull, and she wanted her way. Potiphar's wife wanted sin. Sometimes we're like Potiphar's wife. I mean, a lot of times we want our way. We want our sin. The Bible says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all done wrong. We've all pursued the wrong thing, pursuing sin, right? For her to pursue Joseph is sin. For us to pursue a lot of the things that we pursue in this, in this life, I mean, we, we, like, we kind of like to dismiss Potiphar's wife, but sometimes we're Potiphar's wife. Like we're, we're seeking the wrong thing. We, we have the sinful heart and the sinful desire. And notice his coat. His coat is grabbed. And his coat is taken. 
But Joseph gives us this great example. What does he do? He runs. He flees. He ran. And he fled. What we'd say about temptation, two key words, don't linger. Don't linger. When we linger, we sin. When we roll it around, we sin. When we stay in that place, that situation too long, we sin. Don't linger. Run. Flee. Take your Bible if you have it. If you'd like to turn over to a great memory verse, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. Teenagers, young men, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. I memorized it as a young man in the NIV version. ESV reads this way, 1 Thessalonians 4.3. For this is the will of God. You ever wonder, what's God's will for my life? Oh, young people are always asking that. Here's a real simple answer. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. I mean, you could keep going that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who don't know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter. Bible says this is God's will, that we flee sexual immorality, that we abstain from it. And that's what we have to do. We have to flee. We need to really heed Proverbs warnings. You know, the book of Proverbs, the ancient Jewish wisdom literature written really to, to young Jewish men, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7 of Proverbs all gives, I mean, just lengthy account to avoid the adulterous woman. Avoid her. Avoid the temptress. Avoid, avoid that sex sin. Avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And then later on in you know, chapter Proverbs 10 and following, then you get all the little Proverbs, those little pithy sayings and, and this and that. But the, the, the foundation of the book early on is a, it's like a, 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 telling the young man, heed, heed this, flee from adultery and from that woman. What was Joseph's goal? Purity. That was what he was after. Purity. And he is around 28 years old at the time. Now how many of you know 28 year olds that are going to flee day after day and say no to that day after day when faced with that temptation of her pulling on the coat? That's strong, right? Uh, I mean, for a 28-year-old, you know it is. It, it is all the way for a man until he dies. I, I mean, let, let's just not kid ourselves. You know, there is always this temptation of, of sexual immorality and sex sin, and, and there is always this pull. I mean, gracious, when you're 17 or 18, you're hoping some lady would pull you and say, "Come, you know, I'm just being honest. Let's just be honest. This is, this is what he is. I mean, the, the sexual temptation is real. It's real in a Daresville Baptist church. More than you would ever imagine. More than you would ever know. The goal has to be purity. We don't want to sweep it off like, oh, we've, we've all obtained. We just know. It's like every day. We have to flee this. I, I wasn't even going to share this, but I kind of thought about it. Um, I'm not going to tell you the site. I was on the site like where you like, you like trade stuff, you know, it's almost like, you know, like the flea market or yard sale or, or this trade site or whatever, you know, and just kind of looking at different junk, you know, and just, just on my phone, just doing this. And all of a sudden, bam, somebody had posted pornography, an awful picture on the side. Boom, I mean, immediately I'm like, I gotta, ugh, I gotta get that off. 
Some of you know that. The, the pop-ups, it's like nowadays you can't get away from it. You'd be driving down the road, see a billboard that's, you know, it's like, gosh, I, I've got to get away with that. And the, the thing is, how long will we linger, right? Will, will we linger on it? You know, there's been times where I've, where I've lingered. There's been times when you've lingered. There's been times when we've stayed a little bit too close and let that pull keep going. And like, the best thing to do is to, as soon as it comes, man, run. Some, some sins you stand and, flight and, and fight. In the Bible, there are some that you flight. And, and with sexual immorality, it is always flee, flee, run fast. We ain't strong enough. I ain't strong enough. You ain't strong enough. Flee. Get out of the situation as fast as you can. Turn the channel on your TV. Throw the computer out if you have to. Chunk your cell phone, right? I mean, there's, there's some stuff that like, we just have to do. I remember telling a, a young man in youth ministry who came to me really honest about struggling with a, a lust addiction. And I said, take your computer and pick it up and go outside on the sidewalk and smash it. I mean, that was, that's going to be better for you spiritually in the end, you know? The question that I'm getting to is this. Would you have fled? Now, now your Potiphar's wife looks different, okay? Uh, for ladies, for men, for... Okay, but, but do you flee temptation? Would you have fled? So let's contrast this. We have in the Bible two great accounts. One gets it right and one gets it wrong. You know perhaps the story in 2 Samuel 11. Turn over there or listen. 2 Samuel chapter 11 gives us David. And Joseph and David contrast so well. One is seeking sin and one is fleeing sin. Teenagers, every day, that's your choice. Adults, that's our choice too. We're either seeking sin or fleeing sin. So let me read 2 Samuel chapter 11. Uh, just the first five verses. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, and David should have been doing that. So one, you're in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. You're going you're gonna to fall into sin. In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Probably got a little bored. Went up on the rooftop. Bad things happened. Verse 2, It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. Now he has an option. Run and don't look and get off the roof or linger. Bible says, and the woman was very beautiful, like Joseph, attractive. And David sent and inquired about the woman. You know he's messing up. And one said, is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Warning, don't, you know. We have that the way of escape. It was there. Would he take it? So David, verse 4, sent messengers and took her and she came to him and he lay with her. He slept with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house and the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I'm pregnant. The two compare and contrast one seeking sin, but Joseph fleeing sin. He gives us the, the better example there. Now David would follow and give us a great example for those that have sinned to do Psalm 51. And in Psalm 51 to, to pray and to confess and to repent 
and to change. I want you to see, fourthly, his imprisonment. That was his action. A great action. But it leads to his imprisonment. Let's read uh, verses 19 through 23 and pick up the story and see how this plays out. Potiphar has now been made aware of the situation. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, from pit to house to prison. What a roller coaster. Verse 21, But the Lord Yahweh, Adonai, God, was with Joseph. Sound familiar? Like verse 2? There's the bookends. And showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Let's call him the, the warden. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison, warden, paid no attention to anything, sort of like Potiphar did, that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with Joseph. Whatever he did, the Lord God made it succeed. His imprisonment, you see, there's deception. Again, deception runs throughout this story. The brothers were deceitful. Oh, is this the coat? The blood, the right? They were deceitful in how they treated the father. The wife is deceitful here too. Just like the brothers, more deception. And again, we see the play on deception versus honesty, right? The brothers were deceptive. Joseph was honest. Here, would he pass the test? Well, the wife of Potiphar, deceptive, but Joseph, honest. He was so honest, he said, everything's in my hand but you, but he's going to walk with integrity. He's going to walk with honesty. I can't do that. I can't sleep with you. No. I'm not going to give in to that sexual temptation. I will run and I'll leave my coat behind if I have to. Joseph is framed. Now you could add that word. Framed, set up. And now this word, imprisoned. Now not just from slave and servant, now he is prisoner. And note this. He did it right. And he paid for it. And teenagers, if you do right, you may have to pay for it. For us, in days to come, if we do right, we may have to pay for it. You may have to suffer for doing right, for being obedient. He did it right, and He paid. Many have. Many will. Yet God had a plan. All throughout the story, you see the sovereignty of God. God had a plan. God is in control, even in the dark moments. Even in this prison moment, God is sovereign and God is in control. And we could say that God is greater. God's greater than the deception, greater than Potiphar and his wife, greater than the prison warden. You might be thinking on that little beautiful symmetry that we see and that I put up on the screen. You're like, I thought this chapter began the chapter about his rise to power. It doesn't seem much like a rise to power. We'd say, yeah, but sometimes you have to go down to go up. And he's going to get to power, but God has this interesting way of getting us 
to where he wants us to be, and sometimes it doesn't look so good. It's like the roller coaster, like, I ain't happy about this. Okay, now this is a little better. It's better for me when I get off the ride, but sometimes you have to go down to go up, and God sometimes often leads through the valley to the mountaintop, and that's what he's going to do for Joseph, and really that's what he does for us. So he's doing something. He's doing something. Even in our times, uh, 2021, he's doing something. Well, last, fifth, let's, let's, let's end with that bookend of blessing that we read. You saw it there. Again, there's this blessing, and this is key to this, to this passage. Yes, we get the, the, the play on purity, and that's great for us in the moral, but the bigger thing, the bigger picture really is God. If God's with you, who can be against you? And here, even in the prison moment, God is with Joseph. What did this mean? This meant kindness. God is with Joseph. What did it mean? Success. In Potiphar's house. God is with Joseph. What does it mean for the prison? Well, there's kindness being shown. So again, God's favor equals blessing. And Joseph being blessed here meant an equaled favor in the eyes of the warden. So what this meant was a promotion for Joseph. See, he is rising up. Wherever God puts him, he rises above his circumstances. Right? Because of God. God blesses. God gives favor. Results in kindness. It results in a promotion. Again, you can't keep the God-man down. So we end the chapter. We end the story for today. What are the implications for us? Let me give you three. I just kind of call them blessings, temptations, and Jesus. That's sort of the implication topics for us. Number one about blessings. Here's what we see in this chapter. We see that relationship. We see Joseph's relationship with Potiphar and we see Joseph's relationship with the prison warden. With Potiphar and the prison warden. And we see this, that both were blessed in Joseph. So the key to the passage is the connection to Joseph that brought blessing. If you are connected to Joseph, you are being blessed. Potiphar, the prison warden. Connection to Joseph, in Joseph you are blessed. Well, as New Testament saints, we are blessed in Christ. In Christ Jesus, we are blessed. You could see the book of Ephesians. Our connection, not to Joseph, our connection to Christ brings us blessings. It brings us life. So just as a relationship with Joseph equaled blessings, so now a relationship with Christ Jesus equals blessings. And as Romans 8 says, if God is for you, who can be against you? God is greater. God is in control. You really see Romans chapter 8 throughout the life of Joseph. God working all things together for good. Uh, God saying, if if I'm for you, who can be against you? It's a a beautiful Old Testament illustration of Romans chapter 8. So there's blessings. That's the implication. We're blessed now in Christ Jesus. Number two, it has implications about temptation, doesn't it? You, You saw that. That's always the Sunday school message that gets hit. You know, we really focus on that. We see 1 Corinthians 10, 13 put into practice. This is another great memory verse for temptation. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You could turn there and you could mark it. You could memorize it. This is what it says. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Joseph's temptation is your temptation, is my temptation. All temptations are common. There is no temptation that is unique. You like, we like the devil tricks. It's like nobody else experienced that kind of power and that kind of pull. Ain't wrong. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. 
might look a little different, but it still falls under the three same categories. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. But look at what it, verse 13, 1 Corinthians 10 says, but God is faithful. He's faithful to Joseph. He's faithful to us. And the Bible says this, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. We know this. Temptations are number one, escapable, and temptations number two are bearable. No excuse. They are always escapable. They are always bearable. The number three, you can say temptations are common. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He will also provide, and I love this word, the, not a way of escape, the, sometimes it may be the only one, it is the way of escape so that you may be able to endure it. This is what I believe to be true, that Joseph took the way of escape. He put 1 Corinthians 10, 13 into practice. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will provide the way of escape. And David didn't take the way. I believe it was there. There are a lot of times that the way is there and I fail. Sinner that I am. I fail. It's there. It's the way. Sometimes there are two or three the ways, you know. And, and we still give in. So it speaks to purity. Our temptation, as I said, our Potiphar's wife looks different. Our temptation nowadays can look like anything, but the, the question is, how will we stand against temptation? How will you stand? There's no excuse. Oh, we live in a culture that's going to make tons of excuses. It, well, it's okay. It's all right. So You had so much pressure. It wasn't bearable. It wasn't escapable for you. It was, no. It's escapable. It's bearable. So Joseph practices purity. And God has a plan. And Joseph's going to continue to rise above his circumstances. And again, the question is always, will we? Will you, will you rise above your circumstance? Be it temptation, success, forgiveness, whatever. We end with the implication about Jesus. We know this, that in the story, we're really not Joseph. Jesus is the Joseph, and Jesus is greater than Joseph. <laughs> Amen? Jesus is the greater Joseph because Jesus too was tempted in the wilderness. Jesus is without sin yet without sin. Jesus was faithful. Jesus is faithful. Jesus was pure. Jesus is pure. Again, we said all throughout the life of Joseph, there are almost a hundred you know, different implications that point to Joseph and Jesus being similar. And here was one of them. Jesus is pure. Jesus was obedient to the Father. Jesus was blessed by the Father. He rose and He's mighty to save. And the key question today is, do you have a relationship with Him? Are you connected to Christ. If so, if you are, you can't keep a God-man down. What we know is, as Christians, we will rise up. So rise up. Rise up. Flee. Rise up in Christ and experience blessing. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.